a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Uh, if you missed that last segment, a uh, great book by Brian Kilmeade, uh, Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers. I-, I was hoping to get to one question, really interesting uh, thing in the book. Uh, he talks about uh, Sam Houston and and his leadership abilities, and I did not know this. Uh, Sam Houston was the sixth governor of the state of Tennessee and the seventh governor of the state of Texas. Uh, That's a really interesting thing to think about. But we're going to go to uh, Greg Hughes now, former Speaker of the House, who's just running to be governor of one state, just the state of Utah. (laughs) Greg, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Boyd. Happy to be here. Hey, by the way, a little good karma listening to that. Um, uh, I am related to Sam Houston. He's in my family tree. Is that right? There we go. family's in there, so... Maybe there's some uh, some good gene pool happening. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, obviously we're we're in the throes of a a really interesting and unprecedented campaign uh, in the governor's race, and uh, you have really staked your space uh, on the conservative values and conservative principles, and, and really on your leadership uh, as Speaker of the House and your willingness to have the tough conversations, the hard conversations, and the transparent conversations. Uh, that we need to have in the state. It's true, Boyd. Here's the, here's the issue. Um, and this is where, you know, I, I've been very clear to voters. You know, I got battle scars. People have been critical of me. They've, uh, you'll, you you know, it's, it's, it happens in leadership. There's a saying, if you want to make everybody happy, don't be a leader, sell ice cream. <laughs> We've said from the beginning that we're not going to sell ice cream. We're going to tell people the truth. Uh, there's uh, very important issues facing this state. This was in January when I announced uh, that, but it's going to take hard work. But you fast forward to March, and uh, we have this uh, pandemic upon us, and the times get tougher, uh, and the uh, decisions of our state and the things that they're doing in uh, answering the pandemic are absolutely worth talking about in this uh, campaign. It's it's hard because you've got a candidate that's running that's the chair of the task force, and candidates who have issues are having those issues demeaned as uh, tearing someone down or armchair quarterbacking. But I don't know how you have a a race for governor uh, and not have uh, this pandemic or the state's response as one of the largest issues or one of the biggest issues that you would discuss in terms of what you're observing, what your concerns may be, and what uh, you would do differently or how you would lead. And uh, look, my biggest issue uh, as I'm reading about this is not only is it that you can't talk about it because if you do, you're, you're, said to be exploiting the issue, which I find, again, uh, a, a problem that was made by having an active candidate that's not the governor running the COVID-19 state response. But honestly, Boyd, 
I, I, you're, are we okay with churches being told that they can't meet or having the, the state government tell them the, you know, stipulating and, and the, you know, non-negotiable stipulations of how those doors can be opened and, and the circumstances in which they can meet? I'm sure that faith leaders have the health and wellness of their congregation at heart. I don't think it's an area that the state uh, needs to focus on. Yeah. You look at, uh, you know, the communist-style reporting that you can report your neighbors if you see them gathering in larger groups or outside of family groups. You've got the, the monitoring of your cell phones. If you cross state lines or live near the uh, state lines, uh, government choosing which is an essential business and a non-essential business. And my problem is uh, these are – I think fear is contagious, and I think that when fear hits, I'm, I'm watching it in real time. Uh, people are allowing decisions to be made that they normally would not. But courage is contagious, and I'm going to tell you, you just can't be uh, – if you are going to be an elected leader, uh, and you're going – this is where, again, where I, as we started this out. This is where I've gotten my criticism. A leader stands up in times that I've just described, and they walk the public through uh, the decisions that are being made, pro and con, and they, they, they don't just get out there for the, for the rosy uh, announcement and press conference, uh, you know, and, then, and then when serious questions come up, disappear. Yeah. You have to be there in, in good times and bad. Look, the dangerous place, to, most dangerous place in the world to be uh, for a news conference and for good news is between Spencer Cox and the microphone. But when you honestly, Boyd, when you have tough times or, or serious issues being uh, – questions being asked, you've you got to put an Amber Alert out for him. I mean you can't find him. Why are, why are we not seeing him stand up as the leader of the state uh, COVID-19 task force? And walk us through no bid, single source contracts that were done under a state of emergency. And right? we have a procurement process. Why is he not walking us through that? Yeah, and, let's and let's... I just I'm going to talk about those things. And that's that's you know I did it yesterday, and I'm I'm not going to shy away from it, even though it's a hard conversation for some to have. Yeah, and and hard conversations are can be good conversations. And I, and I want to drill down on that a little bit uh, because we do. Uh, it's so easy, and we've had this for decades, really, that we've. We've elected a lot of folks um, in good times, uh, but the reality is, is that you're you're electing someone for the worst time, for the worst possible scenario, for the for the big crisis. Uh, we've been monitoring and following uh, throughout the morning uh, this new three trillion dollar package uh, coming out of the House of Representatives, and it's one more example of a. Uh, we went and counted it up. It's a one thousand eight hundred fifty one page bill that no one's going to read. No one's going to know what's inside. Uh, and so talk to me for just a, a minute, Greg, just about this commitment to transparency, uh, because I think that is a critical part of leading in crisis. And uh, how would you do that uh, if you were in the governor's chair? So first off, we have to we have to understand that we live in a country where our constitutionally protected liberties are basically your premise. Everything that we do as an economy, everything we do in public safety and public health, they spring from our right of assembly, our freedom of religion, our, our interstate commerce, our whatever, whatever we want to say, you can't get outside these liberties that we have. These, this is, to put it a different analogy, if you have a three-legged stool of public safety or public health, the economy, your third leg is our constitutional protections and liberties. And that is, that is the stool of which all will stand on top of. And I'm telling you that that's, um, as a governor, we're going, you, you would, we would never – uh, depart from that. We would always look at that, and I am I am here to give the, the hard have the hard conversation, Boyd. 
The federal government cannot print enough money. Nancy Pelosi cannot send enough in, by way of trillions to this country that replaces economic activity. Yeah. It, it, is, a, it is a lie to say otherwise. Yeah. And people, it is not a choice between staying inside and seeing businesses forced to be closed and in uh, your employment and your household income interrupted. And to think that the federal government is going to send you enough money to make that up. And that's collectivism, by the way. That is something that you have to recoil and repel. And when we have an economy that's shut down, not only is commerce not occurring, but tax collection doesn't happen either. Yeah, that's right. The, the, the legislative leaders came out of meetings yesterday saying that they, this is a two- to four-year or beyond recovery time for mm. the state of Utah to be where we were at the beginning of March. Yeah. If you're just that's join- sobering. Yeah. If you're just joining us, we've got Greg Hughes, a candidate for governor, former Speaker of the House here in the state of Utah, on the line. And, Greg, we've got just about a minute left, and I uh, just wanted you to weigh in real quickly uh, on uh, how do we actually do that moving forward? I appreciate the fact that you say we, we, we can't have the false choice of it's either this or that. Uh, we can do both, and Utah has clearly shown that. But I want to get to the, the rainy day fund just real quick. Um, you were part of a legislation that helped build that up and make that prosperous, and, and it's all there. Uh, if you were sitting in the governor's chair, how would you use that rainy day fund in an event like uh, COVID-19? Yeah, so what I would do is, look, that rainy day fund, it might sound like a large number. It's $500 million in our general fund and $500 million in the, in the uh, education fund. We're going to be billions of dollars in shortfall mm-hmm. uh, as the legislature enters the 2021 session. And how we bridge that shortfall, we'll be staring at those rainy day funds very closely. And the other challenge that we'll have to, to ha- that we'll go through and that we'll have to resist is this gravitational pull to more federal funds. Yeah. There will be a lot of uh, cries for federal fund bailouts, but those federal funds come with uh, strings attached Lots of strings. to dictate how your your state funds could be attached. So we're gonna we can't use it for that. I my 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 uh, my faith is in business leaders, the working people of the state. They can work through. If we just lower the regulations, let them get back to work. We don't need colors. We need people back to work in a safe way. I know that uh, we can all find those safe precautions and see this economy come back. All right, very good, Greg Hughes. Thanks for joining us today. Good luck on the campaign trail. Moving towards the end of June primary. Appreciate you being here with us. Thank you, Boyd. Thanks for the opportunity. All right. There we go. Greg Hughes uh, just wrapping up there. Uh, Coming up next, uh, we are going to talk about how do we stay in touch six feet away. Lois Collins joins us next. You don't want to miss this. Really important on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.